Hello and welcome to another episode of For the Love of Sports. My name is Michael Raziel and this is the show where I get to talk about sports, I get to talk about business, and I get to talk about everything in between. Today, my incredible guest, I have Matt Tiff. He's a former NASCAR driver and now co-owner of Live Fast Motorsports. Matt, how you doing today, buddy? I'm doing great. Glad to be here. Thanks for having me. The pleasure is all mine. Is that a dog I see in the background just you're, popping you're up? Gonna, I love it. I'm going to give you a fair warning. There's going to be dogs. There's going to be cats. There's going to be – this is going to be part sports interview, um, part zoo, part jungle cruise. So, And wow. then – part neurological um, cross, um, you know, basically cross of all, all fronts here. So we're going to, we're going to go across the world here for the next 45 minutes. <laughs> I cannot wait. This is going to be a great conversation and yeah, a little, little zoo time too. So hopefully some, exactly. more, uh, I yeah. mean, I was going to say kid friends out there, but honestly, like I'm sure some of my regular friends would just enjoy this, but <laughs> man, I'm really excited to get to talk to you about NASCAR. What's been going on in the sport. We were just talking a little bit beforehand, kind of how it's, it's the pendulum swinging back to it being, you know, just again, one of the bigger sports uh, around, especially, but uh, your life, of course, and what it's been like. But the first question I have for everybody on the For the Love of Sports podcast is, why do you love sports so much? You know, I'm, um, I live in Charlotte, North Carolina. I moved down here to chase racing. So um, if you're an artist, you go to New York. You're a country singer, you go to Nashville. If you're an actor, you go to L.A. or New York. If you are a NASCAR driver, you go to Charlotte. But... I was raised in Cleveland, Ohio, and oh, I am a yes, I am a diehard Cleveland Browns, Indians, Cavs fan. Uh, so it is big time uh, diehard, you know, Cleveland sports fan in myself here. So um, that is why I love sports because when you grow up in Northeast Ohio, um, you better you better bleed those colors. So um, it, it's been fun, you know. This uh, it's weird because. I've never, a lot of people got to realize my podcast myself, we talk about a lot of sports on there, but um, a lot of people don't realize, you know, for this year, we're going into a year that I've never experienced because, you know, the Browns moved out in the 90s. And I'm going into the year where the Browns are the best team in Cleveland. And I'm like, the hell is going on? There's a problem. <laughs> yeah. But it's a good yeah. problem, I guess, but it's a weird, it's a weird problem. Let's go with that. Well, people don't realize, I mean, Cleveland is a Browns town. I mean, yes, LeBron James, the Cavaliers, 2016 championship. We love our sports. Don't get me wrong. Um, the Indians, fantastic. Um, but at the heart and soul, there's a lot of Buckeyes fans. Um, you know, there's a huge college football following of the Buc of the Buckeyes. But at the end of the day. Cleveland is a Brownstown, and it has been so cool to see something that's a not – I'm not even going to say a winning product, a watchable product. It's yeah. <laughs> a good way to put it, man. That's a good way yes. to put it. I'm actually a huge fan of Cleveland. Um, the uh, One of my groomsmen uh, in my wedding this past September, he is from – or he lives now in uh, Cleveland. So we go there okay. about once a year. I was just there over – no we went for the we went for the draft that's what it was nice, okay yeah nice, we went for the yeah. draft it was in cleveland it was an absolute yeah. blast i love that place it is so much fun and uh i don't nice. know why it gets such a bad rap i don't get it it's a clean town it most of the people are nice mm -hmm. heard a couple mm -hmm. questionable things but you're gonna get that any big city what are you gonna yeah. do so we enjoyed it but yeah man kudos and congratulations as you said you have at least a watchable product now that's right even yeah, if no they knows. go like nine and eight ten and like, i think we go ten and seven now with weird yeah weird numbers 
I'd take it. I'd take it if I was you. I'd take it. I'm run with it all day. So you know what? Absolutely. Congratulations, Matt. You deserve this. Uh, we uh, we as Browns fans will take that all day long. We went through what is it? One in thirty-one sitting there for two Ooh, years, and yeah. and that one should not have been a one. It should have been zero in thirty-two. So. Mm. Uh, I will take it. I have Baker fever, as many people do. do. I love Nick Chubb. And um, this is – we got a two- or three-year run, two- or three-year run right now with our cap space and stuff like that to go make a, a real run at getting a Super Bowl ring. Um, if it's going to happen, it's going to be in these next three years. And I think after that, you start hitting cap problems or you're hitting contract stuff in there. Don't get me wrong. It's still good. But you get into the normal team dilemmas of who do you pay, what do you do here. Right now, it's the world is your oyster. <laughs> Take it, man. And how cool would it be to be a Browns fan and have normal team dilemmas, right? Like that actually yeah. sounds like a positive from where you guys have been. Hundred percent. So yes. Maybe maybe I'll maybe I'll have you come back on the show. Uh, we'll preview a little Browns in maybe a month or two. I think that would be a lot of Love fun it. in the uh, the run up to what we got going on. But we're here to talk about you. I'm. I respect your love of sports. Honestly, again, they had the whole documentary, right? Believe land and kind of was a little premature because that LeBron James won and then they sent the documentary out. So it was like kind of really great timing. Um, but he came home. That's the most important thing. So I guess I got to ask what, what is the stock car racing like up there in Cleveland, Ohio? Is it, uh, is it a hotbed? Is it where does your love of stock racing NASCAR? Does yeah. that come from the family? Where's that coming from? So, I would not say Cleveland, Ohio is the hotbed of, of motorsports huh. by any means. Okay. Cool, cool, cool. However, um, it's it's not to say that there's not a big following. Sorry, that would be my dog. Hey, Sophie, we're going to do a show here. <laughs> so, um, you know, Ohio is actually really big in um, drag, uh, drag racing. So um, top tail dragsters, um, a lot of dirt car racing. So there are a lot of local tracks um, that gets a big following through there. And so that's actually a really cool thing that we get to do up there is um, there's a big following in different forms of racing. And I think that's a big thing, too, that's misconstrued is, is NASCAR is put on the pedestal of racing in America. There's Formula One, um, there's IndyCar, there's NASCAR, there's um, there's straight line racing, there's rally car, there's drifting. Racing is racing. I mean, if you're a race fan, you're a car guy, um, that's something that's changed. And we'll get into the changes in NASCAR later on in the show. I know you wanted to talk about that, but um, that's really something that's changed over the last, I'd say 10 years with social media, um, with the appreciation of other motorsports, is the appreciation within the motorsports industry as a whole of the talents and the particulars and, and techniques of other motorsports, whether you're racing jet skis or whether you're racing, you know, 3,400 pound stock cars at 200 miles an hour. Yeah, it's um, that is pretty cool. I didn't realize that there was so much in in the way in Northeast Ohio. Again, as you said, like you, you like racing, you love racing. Yeah, who cares what you're racing, how you're racing it? Let's just. Sure. I, I want to. What's what's the famous line, Mama? I want to go fast. That's uh, right. Ricky Bobby, take that one <laughs> yeah. out of the bank. So, right. Um, but no, no. And sincerity, I guess. So then, what is what does that timeline look like for you? What does that process look like for you to get from? Hey, we, you know, we have all these different types of racing to. I'm, I really like this. I'm going to move down to Charlotte and, and I'm going to try and make a career out of this. What does that look like? Because I've never heard that, that type of story before, right? Like, yeah, I like racing too. I figured out a way to get into NASCAR. That There's a huge gap and I've never, can you right. fill it for me, please? I would sure. love that. Mine's going to sound funny because I'm going to preface it by saying I started late 
uh, I was 11 years old when I started racing and that was late. Uh, most people start when they're five. So um, they start racing go-karts. And so these go-karts, they're not your backyard go-karts. They're your, they, they kind of look like Mario Kart go-karts, to be honest with you. Um, and they'll go, you know, 30, 40, 50 miles an hour. And um, so you have your five-year-olds doing that. Um, but then I had, um, when I started racing, we went to the Barberton Speedway in Ohio. And that's a normal stock car, like small local track. NASCAR doesn't go there, but um, it's a local track for folks that want to race there. And they do like Saturday night, Saturday night, you know, fun shows. And um, so th they went, um, they went out and had a, a test drive to see for people that wanted to go try go karts, um, see if there's something they're interested in. So I went out with my brother and we did it. And the guy came back and said, Hey, that was the best test drive we've ever seen. Like you need to do this. And before then, um, I would be, I go to NASCAR races with my dad. He used to own a dirt car um, that he owned with his buddy in high school that he drove. So I was going to the racetrack, going to NASCAR races. So the smell of the, the burning mm -hmm. tires, the sound of the motors, like I was hooked. Like I was, I've never done drugs in my life, but like that was, that was my crack since I've been five years old. <laughs> so, um, so I had the bug already. And so I come home from school and uh, I get my homework done just so I could play NASCAR video games. And that was always my life was just going to, to want to go drive NASCAR. So I started when I was about 11 years old doing go-karts um, up through about 12, 12 and a half. And then when I was 12 and a half years old, we found this driving school in Florida. And this driving school was full-size um, cars that went about 130, 150 miles an hour. Um, and they had, it was a school for not just young guys, but for older guys too, to hone in on their school. It's kind of like, you know, um, like a quarterback camp sort of a deal mm -hmm. for drivers, um, but also for younger people that could come in. And so I went to Florida and my, uh, funny enough, my, uh, the guy who was the coach is now my partner who owns um, Live Fast Motorsports with me. And so this is how we got started. And um, so I learned how to drive a stock car going 130 miles an hour when I was 12 years old. And I'll never Le forget. Legally, I need. I'm sorry. I'm yes, sorry. Legally, yes. how how is that like? How is that allowed? That, what, what are we doing here? That's where I was going with this. So this is the okay. funny part about racing. So I'm 13 years old. The next year, starting to actually race these cars. And again, we're going 150 miles an hour racing across tracks around the country. We're racing at this old NASCAR track called Rockingham Motor Speedway in North Carolina. Uh, now NASCAR does not race there currently, um, but. They, they did race there for a long time to try to bring it back. But anyways, we were racing there that weekend. So we're going around in this Hyundai uh, rental car and I'm driving it to go get a feel for the track because I've never been on a track this big with 25 degrees of banking. So the car is you know literally like tilted mm -hmm. like this in the corners and you're sunk in, like just digging on there. And um, this is before Hyundais were nice cars too. Like this is way before the renaissance of like, of, you know, uh, Japanese cars. And so my dad's in the backseat and he's shaking. He's like, Matt, slow down, slow down. I'm like, what? And um, realized uh, that I was going 105 on the back straightaway in this rental car. Um, should probably go ahead and put in the disclaimer here that I did not have a driver's license. You do not need a driver's license to race in NASCAR. Um, and also, I had never driven a car, a street car, past 25 miles an hour. So love it. Yeah. Your yeah. Dad, so my, must, so my, yeah, dad, my I, I dad is, that. I get that. My, yeah. My dad is having the time of his life, you know, just holding onto the suicide handles, just freaking out in the backseat. <laughs> well, you made it. It sounds like you did pretty good. And, and I guess, so 
Le- again, legally, I mean, hopefully, I have a lawyer friend. I'll, I'll I'll shoot this over to him, and hopefully, hopefully, he can give me some idea. He actually lives in Florida too, so maybe okay. maybe he'll have real good insight. But I get like, what is there has to be how many of you? Meaning, how many kids are growing up racing go karts? They're potentially going to these camps. I'm sure there's more than one, right? I'm sure there's oh, yeah. well, not only one in Florida. How do you then? Is that is that pure drive is that pure skill talent what what gets you from being one of many to one of very very few to the point where you know 10 years later 15 years later whatever the timeline is you're getting on the track with Dale Earnhardt Jr. Yeah so that that's a great question um so we did this test and then we go to um, racing regionally, some racing in Ohio, Michigan, Wisconsin. I'm also traveling down with the guy that was my coach at the school down into Florida. And oh, also, how much yes. does something like this cost? This doesn't seem cheap if you're yeah. traveling the country trying to drive and the, the tires and the fuel. Like, oh, yeah. this also doesn't seem cheap either, right? So, that's one big part about this. So, basically, what we would do is at first we were renting a car uh, for the weekend. So, basically, with the teams. Um, it was basically $5,000 for the weekend, um, would be the car. And so from the young age of 13, you're hustling deals. You're trying to get somebody to pay for tires, pay for gas, pay for that kind of stuff. Um, so at a young age, I'm learning business. I'm learning, you know, B2B deals. I'm learning people who just like NASCAR. Um, I'm learning all that stuff. And, um, but part of it would be, um, honestly just kind of, a investment in a way. So it's kind of compared to the Olympics a little bit in that you have to, you kind of have to put the dollar amount in to hopefully get it back someday. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's definitely a hard, it's a hard part in that because you do have to have some investment into the sport to be able to get it back on the, the higher levels at, at some, some point in there. Um, with that being said, so we're doing all this at the same time. You got to remember I'm 14, 15 years old going through all this racing across the country and winning races, doing all this stuff. Everything's great. I'm getting scouted by some agents and stuff that are in NASCAR. And my mom sits down, my dad and I says, what are we doing here? Like, what's the big idea? Like we're spending a lot of money. Mm-hmm. Um, sure. It's a great tax write off. Like we're, we're doing okay there, but like, seriously, what are we doing? Um, and so that's when um, we had to sit down and this is one of the coolest things I've ever done because I've been able to look back at it and see exactly how we made this proposal. And so this proposal was kind of like a business plan of, okay, here's 20, let's just call it 2011, where I'm at now, 2012, where I want to be, 2013, 2014, all the way to 2020. Mm-hmm. Um, this is the dollar figure is going to cost and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, to get through the ladder system of NASCAR. Now, the ladder system of NASCAR is very similar to baseball. So you have um, your middle school, high school, um, that kind of a level. Then you have college. Then you have single A, double A, triple A. Then you have the majors. Um, So there's a lot of levels in there. Um, You could even say that there's like the Dominican League and stuff like that. NASCAR Mm -hmm. has, has Euro Series and the Mexican Series and things like that as well. Um, but obviously we're, you know, um, still focused on the domestic series. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So with all that being said, my mom's going, why, you know, we got to figure out a plan of what we're doing here. So at the same time, um, again, I'm getting picked up by all these scouts and people who want me to do this, this, and this, I got a, 
um, limited time schedule to run what's called the Arca series. Now the Arca series would be, I guess like the NBA D league. Okay. Um, so that's the best comparison I can make. And when did that and racing ran very well in that. And then met my, my mentor in that his name was Ken Schrader. I ended up racing for him. He was a NASCAR Winston Cup driver, um, one of the legends of the sport. I was going to um, say, I remember that name. I don't watch yeah. too much NASCAR, but I know that name. Yeah, and he raced with Dale Sr., Richard Petty, all those guys. Um, so he ended up being a big mentor for me. And he was the one who kind of pointed me in the right directions. And so from there, you're looking for big-time sponsorship. You're on national television um, doing all this stuff. And again, the conversation came, okay, well, I'm doing this at a big level but I'm not full time doing this yet. I'm still 17 ish mm -hmm. in there. Um, so that's when I kind of had to talk about the, the decision to move to Charlotte because I didn't know if this was going to be a full fledged deal or not. So we went towards schools down in Charlotte. The deal was I had to go to school. Um, and so long story short, um, cause I know I can blab about it forever, but, um, I came down to Charlotte. We, um, came down here. I uh, made my NASCAR debut, um, with BJ McLeod, again, my partner that I'm racing with now, um, in an underfunded truck, uh, meaning it didn't have enough money to really run where it should have. We finished in the top 10 of all the trucks in there. And um, at the end, all the officials were around it because we thought uh, they thought we were cheating because we shouldn't have finished where, where we did, which was awesome. Um, got signed on by Kyle Busch um, Motorsports, eventually went to Joe Gibbs Racing. And then this is where it takes a big turn. Um, mm. Found out a year later after I was racing for Joe Gibbs Racing that um, I had a brain tumor. Um, so this was the first stop on the tour. So um, found out I had a brain tumor, had brain surgery, was told I would never race a uh, race car again. Um, defeated the odds uh, within two and a half months as back racing. Uh, oh, yeah. After that, so I'm, now I'm racing the NASCAR Xfinity Series, the AAA or college football level. Mm -hmm. Um, went to, made a change. I went to Richard Childress racing because the culture was a bit better for me. I needed, I needed, after all that stuff happened, yeah. I needed, I needed a change of, mm -hmm. I needed a change of, of, um, of scenery. And once that happened, um, everything took off the, the best way possible. Um, ran very well, competed in the playoffs. Um, did that at Joe Gibbs racing too, but really competed well in the playoffs. Um, was, uh, was winning polls. Um, getting really good results and stuff in there. And that was where I got picked up into the NASCAR Cup Series, the highest level of NASCAR um, in the country. And so basically we looked back in 2019, we looked at the Cup Series, we looked back at this crazy proposal we made back in 2011, or 2010, whatever it was, and found we hadn't looked at it through the middle, but found almost year by year, subconsciously somewhere in there, that PowerPoint was followed to a T of how we got to the highest level of motorsports in America. I think that is absolutely incredible, man. Obviously, I'm sure you didn't have the, the brain tumor and surgery somewhere in there, but I tried bump, not to. Right. Yeah. That would be an interesting <laughs> thing to throw in there, not to make light of an obviously very uh, serious situation. But yeah. uh, you, you, you kind of you did what you did, man. I think it's just absolutely incredible. And, and again, like I've never I don't I, I've never heard what that process is like with what you're sure. what you go through. Um, and so this was how old were you when you finally made the Cup Series? Just to when put I made it, from yeah, 11 when I made to the Cup Series, I was, let's see, it was 2019. So I was 20, 22, um, 22, um, then I, I turned 23 in June. So 22, 23 years old. Okay. So about 11, 12 years from 
Yep. Mom, this is kind of cool to, yeah, yeah. Hey mom, I made it right. That, no, like I, that, remember, that, I remember being at the theme park, Cedar point going to my 11th birthday being, Hey, we got you a go-kart to my 22nd, um, and being 22 years old and running in the Daytona 500, I remember pulling out for practice and um, you have that one moment in there. Yeah. My, my teammate, Michael McDowell, he told me, because I asked him, I said, it's my, uh, most people get their feet wet. They go in their first NASCAR Cup Series race the year before. They know mm-hmm. they're going to a full-time deal. I didn't have that. So my first race was the Daytona 500, the biggest race mm-hmm. in all of NASCAR. And he said, just soak it in, enjoy it, and just try not to get too nervous. Just go in and enjoy it. I said, okay. Um, which is a horrendously hard thing to do, by the way. I was going to say, yeah, you're probably a little <laughs> nervous. I'm sure a couple yeah, other emotions are just, going on. Just a little bit. And I remember going out and parking um, out for practice. And sitting in front of me is Jimmy Johnson. And behind me is Joey Logano. And I'm like, yep, this is real. This is pretty <laughs> darn cool. I love it, yeah. man. Well, kudos and congratulations. Where'd you finish that day, out of curiosity? Uh, we were actually running really, really well. And um, if you ever look at when they try to sell Daytona 500 tickets, um, there's 25 cars in a pileup and I'm right in the middle on fire. So I don't know where I finished, but it was a um, they call it the big one because there's mm-hmm. one car that spins. And basically, for, for those of you who don't know NASCAR, we all run one giant pack, one car spins and the entire uh, field runs right into there. So. Um, it would have been good up until then, but, uh, yeah, I have no idea where I finished because all I know is that half my car was missing. <laughs> Still an experience and you were a part of the big one. So I think, you know, there's exactly, does the, it, the you big... don't want it to happen, but you can say it yeah, happened, right? It happened. You know what? Who okay. cares? I, exactly. I was in it. Whatever. You were there. I wasn't. Most of the people listening, I'm sure weren't as well. <laughs> uh, one thing you brought up during that, uh, as you said, you were in an underfunded car that, um, and you finished significantly better than you did. How... Is there like a breakdown, like one third driving talent, one third car, one third crew? Like, I, I'm sure yeah. there's not a very specific one like that, but how does that work? Because obviously, as you said, you were you were supposed you were not supposed to finish in the top 10 and you did. So I assume that means you have some good people around you and you're pretty darn good at what you do as well. But what does that breakdown kind of yeah. look like roughly, if you don't mind? It's it's a good question because it also segues way, segues into ownership now having a yeah. small team mm-hmm. because we're an underfunded team compared to the the giant conglomerates we we race against um, each and every weekend, but um, you know when you race against the big teams in there, so they're going to these races and the truck series level, um, they're going to these races for, um, I, you know I guess probably four to five times much as much money as what the small teams are doing. Um, and so if you're going there, you're showing up for, um, you know, say 30, $20,000, $30,000. They're doing it for four or five times that. Now it doesn't cost that much once they get to the track. It's the payroll. Mm-hmm. It's the wind tunnel time. It's the okay. R and D it's the engineering. That's what makes them faster. The tires, the, the car themselves, like everything like that. That's not so much more. It's the the research and development um, behind the scenes is what makes it go faster. Just like our team right now, um, you know, we have about uh, fifteen employees at our shop. Um, Joe Gibbs Racing, they have, I believe, about five hundred, and that's what mm. we race up against each and every yeah. week. And what's crazy about it is with Live Fast Motorsports, we fight for about thirtieth place in there, um, and people go, "Oh, well, thirtieth out of forty is you know not that great." Well, here's the thing. We did that off of 15 people. They're doing that off of five to 600 people. And by the way, they're only about a half a second quicker than we are per lap. And you go, 
holy crap, a half a second. That's not that much. And it's mm-hmm. not. It's just it, that half a second is about as fast as you can snap your fingers. Yeah, no, I, I think it's it's such a really interesting, right? It's really, really as, like because in baseball, we're seeing it too, right? Like with, with the Dodgers, let's say. Yes. They yes. can pour and pour and pour money in. And they not only are buying the best players, but they are also buying the best front office and they're getting the best development systems and they're doing everything that they need to do there versus a team like, I don't know, the Orioles who don't yes. put nearly as much money into that kind of stuff. So but there is the, very the Royals, like the Royals, the Yankees, the Dodgers. Mm-hmm. It's very much the same thing. And so it's an interesting thing now of what NASCAR is doing. So right now you're very much correct. So Joe Gibbs Racing, Hendrick Motorsports, um, all these giant teams, they buy the best drivers, the best mm-hmm. engineers, the best parts, everything in there. Well, we're going into this new era next year called Next Gen. So Next Gen is a car that basically, I'm not saying 100%, but let's call it 85% parity across the entire field. So right now you can manipulate things in the wind tunnel, like where they put airplanes, you put the race car in there. Um, and so you can manipulate things, you can over-engineer things, you can do all that stuff to it. This new car, you can't do hardly any of that. So what's cool about it to me is for being a small team owner, it allows you to jump up in the chance of having a good run. Now, are we going to jump up to being a top 10 team? No, but you do have a chance of having a shot. What it Mm -hmm. takes is the right pairing. So I then look at it like, okay, uh, football and hockey, we all have the same cap space. Then you got to put the right pieces and parts Mm -hmm. together. So you go from baseball of, well, I'm never going to get Yankee money or Dodger money here, but then you go to football and say, okay, I got to do, I got to spend where I need to spend. I got to put the people in where I need to put the people. And I think for NASCAR, that is a very smart move because even though it hurts some of the best engineers and some of the best fabricator guys in the sport, and it's kind of sad on that side of it from the creativity part. um, I think for the ultimate quality and the ultimate show and the existence of teams um, down the road, and like you talked about Michael Jordan, all these people coming in, that is why we're coming in now because there's a chance to compete down the road. Yeah. And I think that's really important, right? Like we, we always, we love, it's really funny. We love to say we love parody, right? Yeah. But like at the same time, like, I'm, am I going to watch as many NBA finals games when it's the Suns and the Bucks? Like, no, I kind of want to see LeBron there. I'm not yeah. going to lie to you. But at the same time, I think it's cool for Suns fans. I have a friend who's a Suns fan. Like, hell yeah, man, yep. enjoy it. Right. Probably only going to get this one, so I hope yeah. you enjoy it. So it, it's it's this weird, like, I love to see parody, but at the same time, I kind of want to see LeBron. So it's yeah, it's, right. it's weird, but I think it's really interesting. And then, as you said, like, the creativity aspect of it, that's probably the fun part, right? You guys have 15 oh, yeah. guys. I'm sure you're all stuck in a room together in some capacity talking about what the hell can we do versus, you know, them on their Zoom calls because they all live on different campuses and yada, yada, yada. I'm sure there's something sure. that's really cool about that where mm-hmm. you get the opportunity to be as creative. How, like, what are those conversations like? What is it like being an owner in that room? And, and I'm sure you have a very big hand in it being a, a, you know, a racer yourself. What what goes on in that small room? What are some of those eureka moments that maybe you didn't see when you were with some of these other bigger, uh, you know, as you said, behemoth racing organizations yeah you know i think the 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 big part comes in the passion and the ideas in that room because when you're with the big teams you have 20 people making those ideas Mm -hmm. um it's like a startup versus like some giant corporation right it's exactly that yes so 
what you're doing, the, the hard part is, so back in the 2000s, the rule book was a lot more wide open. So you really could engineer the crap out of a car. You could have a right rear quarter panel. So basically the, behind the rear tire, the, the part between like that and your gas tank. Okay. So if instead of it being straight, you flare it out like this, or I'm sorry, like this, sorry, backwards camera, um, then the uh, wind on the sail of that car would catch it. And as you turn left in the corner, the wind would hit that part of the car, giving it more of what we call side force, but basically grip in the corner so they could stay in the, in the throttle longer. Well, NASCAR has gotten very, very tight on what you can and can't do. And so basically they built this Halloween House of Horrors looking thing that's called the Hawkeye machine. And they go in and they laser scan your car. So what you could get away with back then is ridiculous compared to now because now it's down to thousands of an inch is what you can get away with. So your eureka moments are so, so tiny. That's what makes it so hard to be able to climb that ladder and really hit something because when you do, you, you cling on to it. But it's probably good for three weeks because then somebody else is going to figure out something. But the tolerances you play in, are so tiny, whereas they used to be so big. Like you look at Jeff Gordon and Jimmy Johnson, those guys, when they went on their big title runs, um, I'll just say they had a little bit of help from the shop and what those guys had figured out there. Like you, yeah. you going back to your question, I'm sorry, I forgot to answer that part. So the question of driver versus Oh yeah, team. I forgot about that too. Yeah. Nice. Thank so you. yeah, no problem. So driver, if you have a driver that is, competent can get the most out of their car and get the most out of what budget they should run in. I, I'll put any driver up next to each other up until about 15th place from 15th to 10th place. I think there's a lot of driver to get you spots in there, but from 10th to first, any driver in there can win. Now I I'd honestly say from first to 15th, anybody in the cup series can win um, from there it's engineering and team. So to put a percentage mark on that, um, we don't even have if, to do that, but I think that that description was good enough, honestly. Yeah. Like, well, the, 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 the place range, I think that's great. Yeah, and, and the difference from 15th to 1st in, in terms of spending really isn't that different, but 15th to 20th, if they're spending $20 million a year, 15th to 20th is maybe 10 a year, or I'm sorry, like is maybe 12 a year, then you just kind of take off you yeah. know, millions from there. So that's, that's the biggest thing is from there, it's money by speed. And I want to make sure we get into this uh, conversation before the end is one of the biggest challenges for us is being a new team is you have to go find, especially been COVID year, is you have to find partnerships and corporations you work with. And as we know from, you know, uh, any movie you watch of you know, Talladega Nights, I know we talked about that in the beginning, but, um, you know, we are moving billboards, but NASCAR has evolved a lot and so has sports in general and between sports gambling, between social media landscapes, it used to be that you put your name out there on TV because you cared so much about the millions of people watching. Now, don't get me wrong. The renaissance of NASCAR is there. Like this last weekend at Road America, we had almost 200,000 people there. That is awesome. 200,000. That's nuts. It's an insane that's, number. That's two Jerry Jones Dallas Cowboys stadiums. And they think they have a lot of people. Right. Like we had have, we have a ton of people. Like a lot. And sees the people. Um but people don't realize that. And so what we have to look at as a small team in NASCAR is, okay, how do you give value to a, a company coming into racing? And if you're not, if your team is not having Chase Elliott or Kyle Busch as your driver, 
and as you, as your team being one of the you know Joe Gibbs Racing or Hendrick or Stuart Haas, somebody like that, you have to go. Okay, I better get creative here. And so that's where we really that's my side of the business is going to the sponsorship side and saying, okay, it's B two B relationships. And how do you you get from this company from point A to point B? Whether it's truck sales, it's oil sales, uh, maybe it's getting a consumer product into getting more SKUs in their retailers. Um, it might be you get them more presence on social media. Um, you know, we've worked with this year's been pretty cool. We've gotten to work with, with um, Celsius. So they were the official, um, the official energy drink for us for a while. And I talked to John Fieldley, who's a big race fan. And uh, I talked to him. I said, John, we have this Kansas race. Would you guys like to be on the car? And um, so we worked out a deal and did that. And um, so then all of a sudden we have this really cool opportunity come up um, two weeks ago. And this was special for me. This is out at the Pocono Raceway. And so I always try to keep a charitable component if we can in there because of my story and, um, you know, having a brain tumor and having epilepsy and things like that. So I've done a lot of work with the um, American Brain Tumor Association. And so we had a um, American Brain Tumor Association card to where I donated a lot of money to the cause. We had fans um, put their names on the car, which is really cool. So they That's could, awesome. Um, yeah, they could, could donate to the, um, to the association and do that. And then Celsius stepped up and donated, um, you know, a few thousand dollars to go put their name on the car um, that went directly to helping, um, you know, fight brain tumors and um, find more research and treatments for that. So there's so many ways that we get creative um, as teams that, um, you know, as a small team, you don't have the the airtime that you have of the other cars that run up front all the time. So of a three hour race, they're going to show those guys for an hour and a half each. Right. We might get 30 seconds to 10 minutes, just depending on that. If we wreck, we probably get 20 minutes. Yeah, you know, honestly, it's almost what the sponsors want, right? That's the, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a weird catch 22. So it's a fun challenge, but then at the same time, you bring those people to the track now that they can come back to the track. It's been so cool over the last month because NASCAR's bounce back of people coming to the track. And I don't know if it's just because of COVID, but I think part of it is because we've gone to new venues. We've gone to Nashville Speedway for the first time. We went to Austin, Texas for the first time ever. We went to Road America, Wisconsin for the first time in 65 years. Who would have ever thought we'd move the 4th of July um, race from Daytona, Florida to Elkhart Lake, Wisconsin on a road course that goes left and right, not just an oval. I mean, what's that? Like that's, that's the evolution of NASCAR we're talking about Love here. It. Um, so it just, there's so much forward thinking, there's so much progression and there's so many new things going on in NASCAR. That's why you're so new owners like myself, like, uh, Sophie, would you like to be featured? Um, <laughs> uh, like Pitbull and all these guys coming in because we're all seeing that same idea of that progression of, Hey, we're moving forward. This sport is booming when you go to the track. It's not so much of the, like you said, the tarps and the seats and stuff like that. Now you're saying, oh my gosh, the energy is here. Like when I went to the track last weekend, I told my dad, I said, this looks like it's 2005. Like this is incredible. Like the height of NASCAR, it was more people than we had at those tracks. Like it was insane. And I was so happy to see that because you love the sport so much. I've spent my whole life trying to get there as a driver, now as an owner you pour your heart and soul into it and all you want to see it do is survive and thrive in there. And so it's been so cool um, this last month to see that. And I hope it keeps on going because it's such a fun experience. 
Yeah. And I think, again, like the way you're kind of describing what you have done and and, and the, the people that are coming into the sport, right? Michael Jordan, I just saw Alvin Kamara, I think just yeah. started, became a co-earned team. I didn't even realize Pitbull, but that makes sense. That dude is like, he is so far forward thinking, like when it comes to this stuff, right? You want to buy before it booms. And yep. it seems like you guys are into doing that. And so, I mean, it, it makes sense from the perspective of uh, another one, Barstool. They, I think they sponsor a car like once or twice mm-hmm. a year. Yep. And then what do they do? They get all their media personalities to talk about it. And what does that do for NASCAR? It gets an entirely new audience engaged just because this one car looks a little funnier than the rest. And I right. think, again, your your idea, right? As you said, you might only get 30, 40, a minute, 10 minutes of airtime. But when you can be creative and think and say, hey, what if we put names of people who donate to this cause on a car? Mm-hmm. That is guaranteed airtime, right? Because who doesn't want to talk about a great story, a great idea, helping other people, right? So that yeah. alone was worth it for Celsius. I'm sure they got way more than they, you know, than they they um, expected for something like that because of your creative thinking and and the way you guys uh, and girls on that team went about it. And I guess with that, like, I mean, we 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 kind of jumped around the story a little bit. We didn't even talk about you not racing anymore. We kind of went yeah. right into the ownership. Yeah. So if, if we could kind of take a step back, because my dad actually had a brain tumor. He doesn't anymore. He's oh, wow. actually good. So it's it's, it's this is a interesting um, interesting connection, right? But what how what happened? As you said, you you made it to Daytona. You did all this stuff. What happened to unfortunately not being able to race anymore? To then making that transition to being an owner. Yeah, so weirdly, the brain tumor was caught in 2016. So I wrecked at Talladega um, in another big one. Uh, go figure. Still um, Talladega. That's yeah, cool, exactly. Right? Another yeah. big one, right? Exactly. So um, I had a low back strain. I had a bulging lower disc. And uh, I was fighting it. I was trying to rehab it. And um, so I was doing okay with it. But then the next spring, so that was 2015, um, early spring 2016, I was struggling with it still. And um, I, I got done with the race. I got in another crash um, where I hit the wall. Not hard, but just the plane ride back, it just, it wasn't feeling right. So in the meantime, I had horrendous headaches. I had horrendous um, light sensitivity. I had some paranoia, a little bit of schizophrenia in there, like just weird, weird stuff. And so I was getting an MRI and the the NASCAR um, NeuroDoc, I said, hey, um, do you think this is long-term concussion and stuff? Because I've hit some walls pretty hard. Like, I I mean, I was like, I don't. I don't know what this is, but like, you know, what do you think it is? And so he said, well, if you don't mind, let's go stay in the um, MRI about 15 minutes longer. I said, you know, sure, whatever, do it. And so we found some great matter in there. And so we had to go to do a biopsy and um, found out that it was a brain tumor. We caught it uh, being benign before it turned malignant, which was, you know, thank goodness that happened. Yep. 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 And um, so took it out. But Weirdly enough, I was able to return to racing. So that wasn't even what took me out of racing. What took me out was um, in 2019, we were at the Martinsville Speedways around Halloween, um, almost towards the end of the season there. And so I went in uh, to go make my cup of coffee in a hauler before practice. And I was pouring my cup of coffee. And all of a sudden, my tongue rolled back in the back of my mouth. And I'm like, okay, this is weird. And then I just fell down. And I, all I could think of was uh, I just said a prayer in my head. Like, I, I just thought I died. And um, in my uh, in my head, I just said for like, like, God, just please let me wake back up. And so I had my first seizure. Um, and then it turned out a couple months later on our honeymoon, I had my second seizure. And so um, after that, I was diagnosed with epilepsy. And of course, you know, that posing that big of a risk um, could drive a streetcar, but um, definitely couldn't be um, driving a NASCAR anymore. So, um, you know, as time went on, uh, lots of treatments, lots of studies, things like that. And so luckily it's more under control than it has been in the past, which is great. But 
Um, 2020 came along and all of a sudden this giant charter market. So charters in NASCAR are basically franchises in other sports. So charter is franchise. So that's that's the terminology we use here. So um, my friend BJ, I talked about in the beginning and I, um, we were looking, we just started talking about, hey, what if we just you know, start, wanted to start a team? Because he owned a team, the Xfinity, the AAA um, series there for five years. And so he had the know-how and expertise of how to go run one. I had the sponsor connections and the big team connections of how to go do that side of it. And so we started talking about it. We're like, okay, well, cool. We'll see what kind of comes available. But we knew we needed the franchise and the charter to go do that. Well, um, as luck would have it, we had a few contacts and friends that were, you know, kind of on the lookout for us. And so we got in and we started talking to some people that were kind of wanting out. And this is before the charter market skyrocketed. Mm-hmm. And so we got in and um, we got the funding for it and we still didn't know if it was going to happen. Um, we gave it like a 10% shot and we get the call. It's like, Hey, this is happening. And so we pushed it on, pushed it on, pushed it on. And then it happened. And so we purchased our charter, again, franchise. Um, so what the charter allows you to do is be a guaranteed start in every race. So there's 40 positions, um, 36 of them are charters. So if there's more than 40 cars, um, some get sent home, um, kind of that sort of a deal. But you get guaranteed um, some guaranteed revenue, um, some guaranteed the starting spots each week. Um, so it's a big deal because sponsors and stuff jump on and say, hey, we know we're in the race. So we knew we needed to jump onto that. Um, but then beyond that part, um, basically we went to, um, to, we had to hold on to announce for a while because of contracts and things like that. Mm-hmm. Well, here's hey. Michael, Michael Jordan, here's <laughs> Pitbull, here's everybody in there. And we're like, oh my gosh. And then we're seeing the charter values of these things and they're skyrocketing. And we're sitting there going, we got in probably a week before we would have paid double or triple, um, you know, of what we would have paid on this thing. And so it was absolutely incredible that we got in. I mean, it was one of those weird things of fate where if this or this hadn't happened or this conversation hadn't happened, that this would not have happened whatsoever. So, uh, you know, I do believe everything happens for a reason. And there's things that do line up in the universe for you for some, for some reason there, but that was one of those deals where, Something was aligned correctly with a terrible thing to give me hope with this, because as an NASCAR driver, you are on one year contracts, no matter what, because the sponsorship dollars just aren't quite there for the security. But as an owner, you can go plan for three years, five years, 10 years, 20 years, 30 years, whatever. Um, As long as you keep your business plan together and your bottom line looking okay. So who knows how long I would have driven. But the ownership side for me has been just as fun. Um, in, in fact, more fun because my parents, they're entrepreneurs and they get to run a business. So I get to bounce some things off of them mm-hmm. and um, having a partner with BJ in there. Um, and I get to do the same things. You know, I get to go to the racetrack, um, be at the racetrack and do everything except for have the stress of sweating off 10 to 13 pounds inside the race car each week. But um, of course, I miss the driving. But at the same time, um, the, the you know, owning Live Fast Motorsports has been so rewarding and the reason it's named live fast is because honestly when bj and i talked about it for us the reason it's called live fast is because when i wake up in the morning ever since i've been a little kid i've wanted nothing more than to do something with race cars it's always been about fast cars it's always been about driving it's always been about just that, again, that passion of the noise, the fuel, everything around there, that is my drug. 
and I can't get away from it. And so Live Fast truly is the embodiment of everything I love and am passionate about. And at the same time, I get to go to work and make calls and do that stuff to go sell a company I own and believe in. And then at the same time, what's cooler than getting to do all that office work stuff then you go see your product go race on yep. national TV at the racetrack in the Daytona 500, in the Coke 600, whatever it is, you get to go watch that in the, you know, in the Giants, um, in some of the biggest sports uh, venues in the country. I mean, it just, it, I'm, I'm, it's been truly an absolutely incredible experience. Sounds like you hit the jackpot, man. I think that is so cool. And Matt, <laughs> I mean, there are just so many, so many, so many more ways we can go with this conversation, but I think you did an absolutely incredible job of explaining your story, which I appreciate. I always love to, to know the story behind the person. I think major sports has a problem with that. Like we only see what's on Instagram, but that's barely any of it, right? If anything, that's that's all a lie, but that's a whole nother conversation. I agree with that. Absolutely. Uh, another conversation for another <laughs> yep, time, yep. another conversation for another time. But no, man, I sincerely appreciate it. You being open, honest, and intimate with us about, you know, you kind of your struggles, but honestly, it, it sounds like you're having an, uh, an absolute blast doing what you're doing, owning the team, live fast, motorsports, crushing it, having fun. And, and I appreciate the honesty of like, Hey, like we're competing for 30th place. And if we get it, man, yeah. this is a good day. So, uh, I mean, I would love to have you on again. A, we could talk some more Browns, but B just to kind of dive a little bit deeper. Cause I think this story is so, so, so cool, but sincerely, sincerely I do appreciate it. And shout out again to Celsius for what they did yes. for you and, and how they helped out and what you did for them. Really? I, again, I'm sure they got their money's worth to that. So Matt, if you don't mind, tell us where we can follow you, where we can follow the team, your drivers, literally anything shout yeah. it out. Now I'll give you the floor uh, and then send me all those links. So I'll put them in the show notes as well. So everyone can click. Awesome. On. No, that sounds great. So yeah, um, for the team it's at team live fast, not live fast, live fast. It's spelled the same though. So it's <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's just, whatever your hook on phonics tells you to do, that's what it is, but it's it, to us. It's live fast. Um, and then myself, it's at Matt underscore Tift T I F F T um, for Celsius. I believe it's um, at Celsius or Celsius official again, big um, shout out and thank you um, to them. Um, we had the big deal with the, Amer um, the American brain tumor um, association there. So make sure you go check them out at the ABTA.org. Um, go donate and help out the cause there. And um, again, thank you guys for listening. And uh, you know, we're, we're doing this conversation here in 2021, talking about 30th place here. We're talking about next year with the next gen car. Maybe we're talking about 25th here, maybe in 10 years, I come back on, we're talking about winning the, the NASCAR championship. So who knows where it goes. I'm going to cross my fingers and I'm sure your PowerPoint has all of that stuff laid out. I'm sure of it right <laughs> it, now, Matt. It never doesn't. It never doesn't. <laughs> Matt, sincerely appreciate your time today, man. Thank you so much. Thanks again. Thanks again.